M&T Bank presents CEOs You Should Know, powered by iHeartMedia. You are listening to CEOs You Should Know on iHeartRadio. Of course, my name is Billy Harfosh. We have a very special guest this week, and I am excited to talk about this because the future of our communities, really, it boils down to one thing, and that is education. I have the provost and chief academic officer of the University of Phoenix, Mr. John Woods. Mr. Woods, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Billy. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm happy to chat with you, and you know, a lot of us out there listening listening today have heard of University of Phoenix, but I want you to dig into some of the details. Why is the University of Phoenix different than some other universities and colleges? I think it's a special institution, Billy. We were founded in 1976, and to the best of my knowledge, uh, at the time, and maybe even still to this day, the only institution that was built for uh, working adults. So not built for a lot of different audiences or a variety of different uh, folks seeking education, really built specifically for one particular audience, the, the adult who's working, but looking to advance their education while doing so. When I was reading about you, Mr. Woods, and reading about the University of Phoenix, what, what stood out to me is a couple of things. I want to start with, with this. Your office really defines student learning outcomes that make sure that they align with employer expectations. So we're talking about career-relevant academics here. And to me, in a lot of the interviews and a lot of the conversations around education that I've had, I always go back to, we need to make sure that our curriculum, that our classes, that the programs we're offering, in the end, will make sure that this person gets a job because that's what we're trying to achieve here. Talk to me about those learning outcomes and how the University of Phoenix is really aligning tomorrow's workforce. Yeah, there's a long history here of what we've done to better serve working adults and to line up with the things that employers expect them to be able to know. When we were first founded, our founder, Dr. Sperling, he wanted uh, a different education for working adults and he wanted to better serve employers. He hired faculty who were practitioners in the field. We offered programs that uh, would help students get ahead in their careers. We've evolved over the years. As, as we look at where we stand today, we don't offer any programs that don't lead to above-average job prospects, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which I think is really part and parcel of who we are. And, and to your point about what students learn in those programs, we've mapped all of our programs so that each course in every single program teaches students at least three skills that are required by employers uh, and a lot of mapping has been done to figure out what those skills should be. We've mapped those uh, skills uh, to find that they're in job postings, to find that they're in job descriptions uh, that are posted uh, by employers looking to hire people. They're in the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, data sets. And so in every single course someone takes, they're going to learn at least three skills that are really important for the job that uh, they have to do upon completion. In this way, a student can learn skills and accumulate those skills as they go and maybe be able to progress in their career or do more in the job they're in uh, as they go and not wait till the end, which is really important. 
Speaking right out of John Woods, he's the provost and chief academic officer at the University of Phoenix. And uh, John, what kind of feedback do you get from employers? You talked about how you gather all that data, gather all that information about what they're looking for. But when they hire a University of Phoenix graduate, what kind of feedback over the years have you gotten? Like, oh my gosh, this candidate was really prepared. What sets University of Phoenix graduates apart? Well, anecdotally, we get those stories all the time. Uh, More scientifically, we do employer surveys. We've got industry advisory councils that uh, serve to help us uh, evolve our programs, and they meet regularly year-round to help us do that. We survey our alumni, and we ask our alumni specific questions about how well-prepared they felt the University of Phoenix education made them. So we're always looking at that data. We've got, as I said, some great stories uh, from different faculty, uh, students, employers, industry advisory council members who all tell us what we're teaching really hits the mark and and helps our students advance. Uh, And it really is a mix of are we getting those stories, are we getting that great feedback, and are we also collecting the data uh, from those different sources that tell us the same thing. So we're always making adjustments to try and be better in this regard. As I'm hearing you speak about the University of Phoenix and your goals, I just, I kind of, uh, I'm laughing inside because I'm thinking of myself as a college student when I went to university and I had this moment like halfway through my junior year, like, oh my goodness, I'm doing this all because I need to get a job after this is all done. And I had all of these courses from all over the place. And I really, if I was being honest with myself, I wasn't sure where it was going. And I don't think that the classes I was taking was necessarily directing me down a career path. So it's really nice to hear that the University of Phoenix is doing something different uh, to make sure that your students, they know what the next step is. I think that's so important when we talk about education. Yeah, you and me both, Billy. I I can remember as an undergraduate student feeling a little... Uh, lacking in direction myself, and I've got kids now going through the process of selecting or or in college, one of them. And uh, I think college is is, a, is an amazing experience for, particularly for our younger people, the 17 to 21 year olds, who can kind of go about things a little bit differently and discover that path, learn what they're interested in, and then pursue it. But for working adults who's, uh, you know, maybe looking to make a change or advance their career. They're feeling maybe a little bit uh, topped out in their career. They need something a lot more specific, a lot more directive, and they need a confidence that what they're being uh, asked to learn is, in fact, important and and relevant and will help them get ahead. So uh, higher education is pretty diverse in that way for us. We're looking for the most specific, uh, most direct, uh, most uh, really valuable pathway for our students to be able to apply that knowledge right away as they're learning it on the job and, and maybe impress a boss and, and uh, you know, get a different job, a better job, or get a new project that they might not have otherwise been able to get because the skills they're learning build upon each other and they're more transparent to both the learner and the employer as they go. Again, not having to wait four or five years until you're done to say, I'm ready to get hired. 
But uh, with the skills they learn along the way, I'm ready to do more the next day. Making a lot of sense on the air right now. I'm speaking to John Woods of the University of Phoenix. This is CEOs You Should Know. My name is Billy Harfoss. John, you know, you talk about those jobs. We, we all are always talking about jobs here in the state of Arizona and in, in, in America in general. It's no surprise to my audience and certainly no surprise to you that the current trends in business and technology they're changing and they're showing that the way employees work, we're talking about where, we're talking about when, even how they work have and are continuing to change almost month over month. This thing is uh, evolving in, in what our business culture looks like for the future. So somebody in your experience, you've been in, in academia for a long time, job placement at the highest levels, executive levels. Where is this thing going? I mean, are we going to be working from home now? Uh, a lot of us seemingly forever. Is this the new career path? What kind of changes do you see in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think work from home has become pretty widely accepted, uh, obviously out of necessity uh, at the start of covid you have seen a lot of large organizations bring people back uh, to their offices. I think that has been a bit of a, a bit of a shift and maybe a bit of a surprise shift. Uh, companies, I think, are, are wanting uh, to reestablish that that connection with their employer employees. Um, I, I don't think that we'll see a, a complete shift to remote work. You've got those larger ones that have asked the employees to come back. You've got. Uh, employees now able to make choices of where they want to work based on some key factors like uh, work from home and if that's important to them. So I, I think you're going to see more employee choice, uh, employees voting with their feet of who they want to work for, picking the type of work they want, the style of work, the culture of work. Those are choices that were not always available to employees. So we do see that when we ran our uh, soon-to-be our third coming up in the next couple of uh, months, when we run our career optimism index, we see a big, big difference in what employers are expecting of employees and, and what employees are expecting of employers on things like professional development, uh, the culture at work, an appreciation for um, mental health uh, awareness and, and appreciation and support for training and development. There are a lot of gaps. I'd say if there's one thing I would, I, I would tell you where the world of work is headed is that employees have ever more uh, leverage and, and power to choose who they want to work for. You see very low unemployment today, but you see an incredible amount of churn where people are uh, sometimes even willing to leave a job without a next job lined up. Our Career Optimism Index told us that nearly two-thirds of people are taking kind of a always-on approach to looking for that next position, even if they're happy where they are. And many report that they'd be willing to uh, leave their job if, if they were unhappy, like I said, without even having that next job ready to start in. And, you know, John, you mentioned the, the remote work and how that trend is shifting. Really, the University of Phoenix has been on the cutting edge for a number of years now as far as how we uh, conduct classes and how we – that we don't really need to drive – park our car, walk into a building, and sit at a desk in order to get an education. Uh, University of Phoenix have, has been doing something different for a number of years, and that's online learning. Where do you see the direction of the University of Phoenix as far as online learning goes? And I'm assuming you're seeing more and more people adopt that model. Yeah, many folks will uh, remember that uh, when we started uh, serving working adults, we were campus-based in 1976. 
we were one of the first institutions to uh, have fully online programs. Uh, those uh, online programs eventually grew to be a majority of our of our student enrollment. Um, Pre-COVID, we were uh, seeing that trend increase. People not wanting to deal with uh, traffic. Uh, people not wanting to deal with the, the uh, lack of flexibility of going from work to school and spending three, four hours in a classroom on a weeknight. And so online was growing even before COVID. And, and then obviously with COVID, it became even much more widely accepted. Uh, our programs, though, I, w I would say, continue to evolve. There's online education, but there are many different ways folks can can build and deliver online education. The evolution for us of most uh, recent times is to move into competency-based online education. And these are programs that give students even more flexibility, even greater agency to navigate through the curriculum, to go a little bit more at their own pace, and uh, that, that's a big evolution for us. We, we've built four of our programs now in a competency-based model. They're also even more affordable. Uh, and so we've, we've always been pretty, I think, competitive in terms of uh, our, our, you know, our pricing of programs, but our competency-based programs uh, are even lower priced. And someone can get their MBA, for example, in our competency-based version in about 11 months. Uh, for, I, I believe it's about $11,000. And so for the person who wants flexibility, affordability, value, to learn from faculty who are practitioners in the field, we're a really good fit. And, uh, you know, I, I think people make choices based on what they're looking for. And if, if those are some of the things that appeal to them, uh, they'll, they'll choose us. Well, we know that you're dealing with adults here. Adults are busy. Adults are also sometimes parents, and they have a job, but they also want to up their skills, and they want to get and further their education process. So these competency-based programs, it's my understanding that they really help with timing. In other words, you can go as fast or as slow as you want. Do I have that correct? Yeah, you can, uh, you can really vary your speed in a competency-based program. Uh, as I said, you can finish in as quickly as 11 months, uh, you can go a little bit longer if you want. Uh, some of our students take breaks. Um, the thing about the competency-based programs, and they have a slightly higher work requirement as, as an entrance uh, requirement, but the thing about competency-based programs is you're doing application-based assignments that ask you to draw on what you're learning in combination with your, your work and world experience. And most people report it doesn't seem like a lot of busy work to them. These assignments seem very practical, very applicable to what they're, what they're asked to do on the job. And in, in addition to the flexibility and being able to go faster, uh, the student satisfaction in these programs has been really high. I got to tell you, uh, we're going to finish up with this, and thank you for being on the show today. But this last topic, I'm really excited to talk with you about it because I'm not sure how I feel, and I'm not sure how the audience feels. But he here's a fact. So 52% of American workers say they are easily replaceable in their job or position. 41% of workers worry about losing their jobs. So if we go off those numbers, it's my belief that we're not talking about losing your job in the traditional sense, always, like a layoff or getting fired. But right now we have things happening 
like ChatGPT, I'm sure you're you know aware of, and AI-based programs. And it was the thought a number of years ago, really just a couple of years ago, that these would replace more blue-collar jobs. And now we're getting data and we're, we're talking to experts that say not so fast, my friend. These could also be replacing even more so white-collar jobs. When we talk about Americans that are worried about losing their jobs, we have to also worry about technology, which is a great thing to have in our lives, but it might take some of those jobs away. At the University of Phoenix, and you personally, I mean, how do you look about this new phenomenon that uh, the workplace is getting ready to experience? Yeah, I think, Bill, Bill you're on to something there. The, the studies that are written about where we see uh, the world of work going by, by the likes of Gardner Group or Forbes, uh, they talk about the skills that are required regardless of the technology uh, advances, regardless of things like artificial intelligence, as you mentioned, and chat GPT. There are skills that uh, will, will really help somebody be successful no matter what happens in the world of work, no matter how work evolves. Uh, and the, the skills that are mentioned, things like being able to collaborate and work in teams or appreciate differences in people or be a good communicator, those are sometimes called soft skills, but whenever these studies are released, they're at the top of the list of what employers are expecting and hoping for in their workers because they make somebody uh, who is adaptable, who is able to evolve, even as the world of work changes and evolves. So uh, I guess my answer for that would be not only have we mapped the technical skills in our programs, but we've mapped those skills, which are, as I said, sometimes called soft skills, but they're vitally important. So if you're a student at the University of Phoenix, you'll find out where those skills are being taught as well. You'll be measured on your attainment, your learning level against those skill requirements. Uh, and you'll even get to be awarded for your learning with a badge. People can share those badges if they want, places like ZipRecruiter profiles or LinkedIn profiles. And the badges are validated, you know, the data that we collected to measure the learning that took place. So even as the world of work evolves and changes, those skills will be, I, I think, we'll, we'll say durable. And we're trying to make them so that they're more uh, easily translated to a student and to an employer so that they understand exactly where they were learned and the level of attainment that was reached. The University of Phoenix is on the cutting edge of education. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show, Mr. John Woods. Could you just give my audience some information as someone's out there listening, and maybe they are you know, a parent, maybe they already have a job, but they want to further their education. They might want to change a career. They might want a promotion at work, and they just need some more skills. Uh, where can my audience get involved and learn more about the University of Phoenix? Well, the, the website has a, a lot of great information, phoenix.edu. I, I would point folks specifically to uh, one of the following things on the website, because you know a, a website, you can, you can go just about anywhere and learn all kinds of stuff. Certainly there's information about our programs, but we write an academic annual report that tells uh, everybody in, I think, a, a really clear and transparent way about all the things that we're doing the, and the success of our students, our alumni. Um, I, I would check that out. You can also go to our Career Optimism Index from the Phoenix website. And as I said, uh, shares with the world a lot of information we've collected about how work is evolving and how worker perceptions of their career prospects are changing. And that Career Optimism Index also reflects what employers 
are thinking and saying. So a few places on our website to find out about our programs, our approach, and our really important career optimism index that we do every year. And, of course, you can go to phoenix.edu, phoenix.edu for all of that and more. Learn about the University of Phoenix. Fascinating conversation, Mr. Woods. Thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate the time. This has been CEOs You Should Know on iHeartRadio. My name is Billy Harfosh. This has been CEOs You Should Know, showcasing businesses that are driving our regional economy, part of iHeartMedia's commitment to the communities we serve. I'm your host, Billy Harfosh. Thanks for listening. Our community partner, M&T Bank, supports CEOs you should know as part of their ongoing commitment to building strong communities. And that starts by backing the businesses within them. As a bank for communities, M&T believes in dedicating time, talent, and resources to help local businesses thrive. Because when businesses succeed, our communities succeed.